This morning we are going to start what I would call a very special time for us this December. And you guys all know what Advent is. And you know, as a, as non-denominational church, sometimes we don't do the, the traditions that a lot of other churches do. And I understand that, but sometimes I think we miss out because we don't do those things. And one of the reasons we miss out is because Christmas... This is a busy time of year. Um, Now they're hitting us right after Thanksgiving dinner, and it's like you can't even get off your couch to go to the store. Um, But they want you there. And now they're starting. It's just crazy. And then Cyber Monday. That's really fun. We're already connected to our phones and, and computers anyway, but it's exciting to see what deals come out. And you can see where I was at on Monday. I was in front of my computer um, looking. And then, then there was Giving Tuesday. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. I wonder what the next day will be. But they haven't found anything for Wednesday. But there's something coming. But what I want to do for us as a church is I want us to focus in on what Christmas is and why we celebrate it. Now we realize that, that Jesus was probably not born. Actually, they know that Jesus was not born in December. There are speculations that it could have been as early as September. It could have been different times. Uh, different sects in the Christian world, the Orthodox celebrate it in January, um, a little later than we do. And so it's interesting, but the point is, is that a child was born. And you can't argue against the historical fact of Jesus coming. It's history. It's written in the pages. It's something that even non-believers agree that this Jesus came. But what we do have an issue with is who this baby was. And He means everything. And so Advent means actually to look forward to something. And the definition means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And for Christian theology, it's a sense of Jesus, He's already come, but He's also coming again. And you know, oftentimes we look at anxiousness as very negative, but there is a good anxiousness. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago, is that there's an anxiousness that Jesus will return and we will be with Him for eternity. And that is a good anxiousness. I am anxiously awaiting for His return. And Advent is no different for us. So I wanted to think about this in a childlike way, because we all know what it is to go to bed on Christmas Eve just to look forward to the present coming on Christmas Day. So if I could get a kid to volunteer to come forward and talk about Christmas Eve. Let's go. I'll just choose. Yeah, Micah. Let's go Peter and Emmy. Will you guys come here real quick? So, yeah, you guys can do it. Come on, Emmy. I know you're not short for words. All right, I got a few questions for you. What? What? What do you mean, what? 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 All right. Yes, happy birthday, man. And look, it's pretty cool. And look at this cute pink shirt. You're welcome. Um, thank you, thank you. You must get the humor from your dad. 
Um, so, I want to ask you a question. What is it like for Peter Shelfout? How old are you today? Nine. Nine. Wow. What's cool. There you go. Nope. There. Right there. Oh. Don't lick it. Okay. It's not a lollipop. All right. So, what is it like for you, Peter, to experience Christmas? What is the one thing that you're looking forward to through the Christmas holidays? Kind of a loaded question. Spending time with my family. Oh, that's a bad answer. Oh, isn't that so sweet? That's right. He's hitting the nail on the head with the hammer. So, let me ask you this. What is Christmas Eve like in the shelf out home? Don't tell on your mom and dad. Just what it's like for you. Happiness. Happiness. Are you longing? You're saying all the good Sunday school answers. Way to go, bro. Way to go, mom and dad. So what is it like? Are you going to get something on Christmas Day? Yeah. Well, does that bring excitement to you? guess so. Like, what do you expect to get this year? Clothes. Oh. Oh. Oh, oh, man. Okay, I understand. Thank you. You can go sit down. So I understand um, now his excitement for Christmas morning. You, you reach that age that is clothes, and the older you get, you really appreciate the clothes. But anyway, um, it's no different. Do you remember what it's like as a child to wait and to know what's going to be under the Christmas tree Christmas morning? Every parent, they go to bed, and actually, a lot of parents, they stay up. Oh, I shouldn't say this. If you guys believe in Santa Claus. The kids, the parents stay up, and they do the things that need to happen. Okay, right? And hopefully, they don't see mommy kissing Santa Claus under the tree. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Um, So, let's get back to the point. The point is, the Advent is that kids are waiting and longing to open that present. And I chuckled at myself as I do. It's like, this is my present right here. And I already have it in my hand. Thank you, honey. Um, I don't wait very long for my presents. But I get excited. But that really is what Christmas is about. But if we're not careful, Christmas does become something else for us. Some of us, it's going to cause great anxiety. Because you've got to get together with family. Or you've got to try to buy that great gift for somebody when you may not even have the finances for it. Or you hustle and bustle on Black Friday and you're looking for that perfect toy. I've been there before. And getting stressed out about finding the perfect gift. Or it can be just for you about getting together with family, which to me is a precious, precious gift. Every holiday should be about getting together with family and friends and celebrating together. But if we're not careful, that's all it becomes. 
It becomes getting the Christmas presents under the tree, opening them up, spending time with family. Oh, then, oh yeah, Jesus is the reason that we're celebrating this day. Now granted, all the other stuff is good, and trust me, I love it, and I would never preach against it. But I know what it is to try to bring Jesus in the midst of all this chaos. As Charlie Brown says it so well, Christmas has become commercialized. And doesn't He hit it well? So this morning, I want to encourage you as disciples of Christ is to do whatever it takes to make sure that Jesus is the center of the season. So we're beginning, we're on the third day of Advent. And I want to encourage you this morning and just give you that encouragement that if you don't do this, I would encourage you to find somewhere or some resources that you can on a daily basis take yourself all the way through to Christmas Day. We as a family, we have our own traditions. That we open up the Advent calendar, we put things on the wall to represent, we light a candle, and they get to listen to their daddy talk long about Jesus. But we do this for a point. We do this so that we know that we are celebrating God coming in flesh. And so this morning, if you go to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, and I promise I will not tarry long this morning on the Word, but I hope to excite you about the Word. And I'm actually going to hit three points this morning, as I always do. And for you note-takers, it would be a child born for us, a son given to us. The second is this, this child. The child shows us an example. And the third is, for God so loved the world. And so the first is a child is born for us, a son is given to us. And so let's read in Scripture about what God has to say in Isaiah. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and His prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish in Sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. And I know that these are the typical Scriptures that you hear during the season of Christmas, but it is huge for us. And the title of the sermon is a gift to us, for us. And if we can think about this little baby in the manger that we look at that is part of our nativity, this was a gift. We know and we preached a lot from the pulpit here that the fall of man happened at the beginning 
I won't explain that this morning, but there had been a time where God, Emmanuel, had dwelled with us and it was separated at the garden. And from that time, God was working His mission to save the world, to bring us back to a place of right relationship with Him. And so about 700 years, this prophecy was given. For a child will be born for us and a son will be given to us. And there is so much in this statement that means the world to us. So I want you to think this morning about the nativity that we set up and the reason that the baby in the center is a gift. And you see, just as a child and just like you and I have waited for our gift on Christmas morning, the world longed for this gift to be given by God. And it was given. And I can imagine at the point of this scene, a child was born, you have Mary that was taking this baby, she had uh, received prophecy, she had been visited by the angels, which we will look at in the coming weeks. And the awe and wonder that Mary must have had at holding baby Jesus in her arms. This morning I think of Gabriel, I think of Micah. What it must be like to hold the precious baby in your hands and you really don't know what the future of this baby is going to be. Every parent, when you're holding the baby, you want the best and you always think the best of your child. It never stops. And I can imagine Mary contemplating some of the things that she has heard about a child that was going to be born for us and given to us. And Mary, at one point or another, had to realize, as every parent should, that children are a gift from God. They are alone from God, if I might say that. You have them for a moment of time and then they're gone, but the baby that she held in her hands was going to be the baby that dealt with the sins of the world. And in Matthew 1, chapter 1, verse 21... It says, she will give birth to a son. And this is when the angel was talking to Joseph as he was contemplating about putting her away. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus, the Savior, because he will save his people from their sins. So you have this little baby that was given for us, to us, that was coming to save the world. And we could read it like this, for a child will be for us, for he shall save his people from their sins. Or we could read it like this, for a son will be given to us, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, a child born shows his humanity. A son given shows his deity. So the little baby that we celebrate at Nativity and for Christmas is is human and yet God in flesh. And it's a mystery. 
And Spurgeon says it's like a gnat that is trying to drink the sea is what it is like for a human to try to understand an infinite God. It's almost impossible to understand why you would do this, God. In the world, I've talked to the world, and the world says your God came in flesh, and then your God died on the cross. It can't be. And to understand why God did this, it's hard to to fathom that Jesus had to come in flesh. And you see, Jesus was sinless. Jesus came and He made no mistakes and this was a gift for us. And you know as well as I do that we fall short of the glory of God. And we talk about this a lot, but sin is violating the law of God. And this baby in the manger was coming to deal with the violation. And then it goes on in Isaiah 6, or Isaiah 9 and 6. It says, The government will be on His shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And the dominion will be vast and His prosperity will never end. And then it goes on to say He will reign forever. And my second point this morning is a child shows us an example. What is that example? Because I promise you, when Jesus jumped on the scene, when God gave Him to us, for us, this dominion had not come and was not here yet. And so we wonder, well, how does it come to be? He's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an eternal Father and Prince of Peace. This is huge. And so let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. We talk about the little baby in the manger who we celebrate. It says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, something to be grasped, something to be used at His own advantage. Instead, He emptied Himself by assuming the form of a servant, a baby in the manger. And I'm adding those things as you can see. Taking on the likeness of humanity. And when He had come as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. On a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted Him and gave Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we see here through Scripture that the babe in the manger humbled himself by taking on flesh. And as I was thinking about this truth this week and looking at Christ's humility, 
And I hope to etch this in your mind and heart this morning when you're looking on the nativity, at least for this week, is humility. You see, there was a declaration in Isaiah 9 that He was going to be Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, and yet He laid aside all His privileges and became man. Think about that just for a moment. We know that Christ was there at creation. We know that Christ has always been and all things were made through Him and by Him. He was there when this was created. But yet He laid aside all His privilege. Has anybody read Prince and the Pauper by Mark Twain? If you haven't, you should. It's wonderful. And it talks about this prince that there's a pauper that comes along and the prince and the pauper, they look alike and the, and the prince decides, hey, I'm getting tired of... This isn't what Jesus did, but I'm getting tired of all this glory and all this stuff that I'm having to learn. And the pauper comes and he probably wants to eat and they switch roles. And then you see the, the prince going through this, this time of being a pauper and being popped around a little bit. He went from glory to nothing. He exchanged it all. And when I read that story, I think of what Christ did for us. He left glory. And He actually submitted Himself to the hands of man. Even to death on the cross. You see, humility is a laying aside our privileges. It doesn't mean we lay aside our responsibilities. You see, humility does not mean using our position to lord it over others. And if you think of the positions that we have, we are parents. We are volunteers. We lead others at work and in our jobs. And in different areas, we are leaders. And these are just a few examples. But as Christ has shown us, as He's laid aside everything, He could have so easily used His position as He came in a babe, as a babe in a manger to lord it over others. But He chose not to. He laid it aside. And you see, these positions that are given to us are actually opportunities for us to serve others. You see, the way of the world is positional. You want to be the top dog. You want to be the the main person. If you want to be the top dog in the kingdom, you must serve. You must have this attitude that was in Christ must also be in you. And I want to go to Matthew 18. Let's read this together. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, So who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And He called a child and had him stand among them. And He said, Truly I tell you, He said, unless you turn, you have a change of heart, and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. And when I think about this Scripture, I think about the example of the child in the manger who came and was just who He was. And you've heard me say this, humility is being known for who you are, nothing more or anything less. And I still remember the sermon that Pastor Mike preached on masks. And so often we are so afraid of allowing people to see who we are and what we are and we hide. And I think of the baby in the manger and his example. And even in our wanting to hide, there is pride in that. And yet, Jesus came. And when I think about the Scripture, this child is a model In this context, in this Scripture, Matthew 18, it's not a model of innocence, faith, or purity, but of humility, unconcerned for social status. What an example we have. One that came, gave up everything to put Himself in the hands of man to actually be crucified by man, laying down His life. He laid us down His life. Nobody took it from Him. But He put Himself, submitted Himself to flesh. And I was thinking about myself and how often, and I know I'm not alone in this battle, is that when I'm starting to try to be something I'm not, it really gets messy. You see, when Jesus brought this child, He said, look at this child, unless you become like this child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I begin to wonder, well, what did this child do? Did the child fall on his face before Jesus and say, Lord, save me? And that was his humility? No, the child stood there, unconcerned what others thought. And that's humility. And I often wonder how much and how many of us walk around and we're not being our true selves. And I'm not talking your true prideful self because the world tells us to do that enough. But I'm talking about the true redeemed self. You see, the baby in the manger was given to us, for us, so that we can live these lives in humility. And this week I experienced something that was very humiliating. For me. You guys know that Nina's school board has been trying, I've been talking about it, passing a very progressive agenda on transgender and getting starting with four-year-olds and introducing the identity of a transgender. Putting things in the place. And we've been through a lot of meetings. And up to this meeting, things were going really well, but you knew the school board was going to do what they wanted to do. 
I decided, hey, my daughter, let's come. Lindsay, won't you come with me? And you can experience, because she's doing politics in her class. And I said, you can experience what it's like to deal with politics. And little did I know that room was going to be stacked with people that were way different than I was. Educators, doctors, nurses. The community came out to support this stuff. And one after another, they got up and they said, we support strand number four. And I won't go into what the strand is, but it's the transgender stuff. And a pastor stood up. And he was a well-to-do pastor. I could just tell. And he said, my daughter came out as a transgender and I feel for the brother and I really am thinking, man, that's hard. But he began to explain it and how he has embraced it now and the school should embrace it now. And that people are born this way. And I won't get into the science. That's not why I'm here. But all of a sudden, I'm thinking, man, this room is stacked. Here I am, lowly me. And I'm not even going to get up and say anything right. And my daughter nudges me and says, Dad, you better say something. I'm like, "Um, no, keep quiet. And I began to think, man, you don't cast squirrels, uh, pearls before swines. And I just began to think, I'm not going to get up. I mean, I don't have anything good to say. I'm not educated like these other people. And my daughter said, she basically said, I want to get up. And I'm like, oh, no, sit out. And I said, Holy Spirit, if you want me to say anything, I will get up. And then I was thinking, I can't show my daughter I'm a coward either. And I got up and I began to speak. It wasn't eloquent, I'll tell you that much. It's actually probably, it was okay. But I left there wondering, man, did I say the right thing? Am I the right thing for people? Am I a good example? Am I all this? And I begin to measure myself up to the world, but I want you to know that that's not what we do in the Christian world. We hold to this Bible no matter what the circumstances are, even when it knocks at our door and says, I am this and that, but it's contrary to the Word of God. We have to stand. And so when we see the baby in the manger, He means everything to us. And the third point is we all know this Scripture, but it's John 3.16. And let's read it together. John 3, 14 through 21. Just as Moses was lifted up the snake in the, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. For He gave His one and only Son so that, who, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. 
And the King James Version says this, and I like it a lot better because it puts an emphasis, for God so loved the world. And when you look at the baby in the nativity this year, I want you to think that God so loved me that He sent His Son to die for me. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And I don't want us to stop at verse 17 because we often do and then we say, I don't need to condemn and we don't need to condemn because they're already condemned. And I'll tell you how I know that those who haven't chosen Jesus Christ and believe on Him are condemned. In verse 18, it says, anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, I want to make it really simple for you, no matter how many mistakes you make, no matter how many times you fall, that if you are in Christ Jesus, if you believe in the atonement of the cross, you are forgiven and you are not condemned. Even though Satan will constantly condemn you. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why when you roll over out of your bed or you go to bed at night and you're like, this was a horrible day, you can believe that you are not condemned, that you have eternal life, that you are righteous in Jesus Christ. But then it goes on, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. The baby in the manger has came into this world. And people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. And I want to end the sermon here. Is that no matter where you are at this morning, is do not despise the light. That baby in the manger has come to expose the sickness of your heart. Why has He come to expose the sickness of your heart? Anybody? To make you well. To make you well. You see, oftentimes, and I'm guilty of it, I condemn others, I condemn myself, but... Jesus says that that He is the light of the world, that He will expose the darkness. And I want you to know, fellow brothers and sisters, that when He exposes the darkness in our hearts, be glad and run to Him and accept His forgiveness. And so this morning, is that's all I need to say. 
is that when you're thinking about this babe in the manger, the worship team can come. When you think of this babe in the manger, I want you thinking this Advent, this December, that He came to take away the sins of the world. A child was given for us to save us from our sins. A child was given to us to save us from our sins. So this morning I've asked Brother Greg, he's an elder of the church, if you don't know, you can to lead us in communion. And uh, that's how we're going to end the service this morning is with communion. And I want you to be thinking as he's talking and as you do communion this morning, is have humility. Be known for who you are, nothing more, nothing less. And the way God, the gift that He's given you and the calling that He's given you, to do it as serving others and not serving yourself this year. Take the challenge this December by giving out and not taking. 